How many of you, um, you when you take flight um, and you, especially long hour flight, sometimes you, we have to go to the lavatory, which is the toilet, am I right? And you always see the sign. And sometimes uh, when we need to go to the toilet, then we realize that the sign is always red. And we become a bit frustrated, like just before, oh no, it's my turn, it's green. When you reach there, it's red again. Or maybe you guys are not like that, you wait outside the toilet. All right. Um, do you realize that sometimes um, an occupied toilet can be frustrating? Or sometimes you try to call somebody urgently and you call and call and call, either that person does not, does not pick up or is engaged. Then you realize that, man, when someone is preoccupied, even you have something important to be done, you miss the opportunity. Growing up, we have friends as well. And sometimes you miss a friend so much, you want to spend time with that friend, then you realize, oh, that friend is attached and is always very busy. Um, and when someone is attached, then you realize you feel detached. You know what I'm talking about? Today you guys are so amazing. <laughs> like you, you, you want to engage somebody, but you just don't get that engagement and you don't... That was what I felt uh, when I was in silent retreat. I realized that sometimes we have to be absent so that we can be present with the, God, with the Lord. We have to be absent from our routine. We have to be absent from our thoughts. We have to be absent from our busyness so that we can be present with God. Sometimes we have to learn how to... After I left um, Penang to that silent retreat, I realized that, man, I miss the fellowship that I have with the people. And when you are away, then you realize you want to be around. And when you go back, you really want to communicate, communicate deeply. But sometimes just having everyone around, it does not mean we communicate deeply. Sometimes we're just talking crap, we're just watching movie, we're just eating together, sharing a meal. So there is a power in being away so that you can really be around. There's goodness in, some, in sometimes being alone. Then you realize that you're not alone because God is with you and suddenly you remember God has given you people around you that you should treasure. So this conference, let us go away from our routine, go away from our busyness for two days and we want to be attached to God. We want to disengage from the rest of the busyness and the routine so that we can hear God's heartbeat. But one of the things that's all constantly there, no, mat no matter whether you are with people or without people, is this thing called emotional attachment. Alright? We are emotionally attached to what? To the material things that we love. 
sometimes we travel and we realize, man, I did not lock my house properly, right? We are emotionally attached to the material things. Maybe you lose your phone, you drop your phone somewhere this morning and you come to church and you realize, man, I cannot worship this morning because I still do not know where my phone is. True, right? Emotional attachment to the material things. Sometimes we also do have emotional attachment to the people that we prefer. Agree that there are people that we love and we favor more. And it is normal. This is the type of people that I like. These are the people that I have chemistry with. And when I spend time with them, man, it feels so good. I can be myself. That is emotional attachment. Some people, your emotional attachment is like because you love food. So when you see people who love food, you are just emotionally so attached to them. It's like you can eat with that person all day. The people that we prefer, the language that they speak, the culture that they come from, the background that they have, just connects with us. Emotional attachment. Then, there is also emotional attachment to the perspective that we grew up with. The perspective that we hold on to. And it is, this, all these things are natural and they are not bad things. But this morning, can I propose to you that sometimes when we are so attached to these things, we no longer have that freedom to receive what God wants us to have and to experience. Perhaps because of the emotional attachment to the material things that we have, we lose the freedom to explore new things. We lose the opportunity to have new experience. Perhaps because of the people that we prefer, we miss out meeting people that can help us to grow, people who can inspire us, people who can speak honestly to us that we feel uncomfortable. But yet, it is good for us to learn from them. Are you following me? Perhaps, if we evaluate our emotional attachment, some perspective that we hold on to, like it's our comfortable perspective, like I grow up, this is what I enjoy thinking, I enjoy believing. When someone proposes something that is different, because of our attachment, we are not free to explore other possibilities. And what if this is the Word of God and we just missed it because we are so attached to these things? Jesus invites us to leave all these things so that we can go away with Him and learn from Him. And today, we want to learn from Jesus. Last month, we talked a lot about the passion of Jesus. Jesus died for us on the cross. He showed His passion for us in His suffering. So I begin to look up into the dictionary and I begin to, because this month, I want to know 
God, where does passion lead us to? Then I realized that for Jesus, His passion is not just feelings, He's not just compulsion, He's not just commitment, but His passion was felt by the people. That is because His passion was turned to compassion. Everybody say compassion. And look up to the dictionary. What is compassion? One very single word. Compassion is simply co-suffering. Remember, passion was shown through suffering and now compassion is co-suffering. Wow! Compassion is that willingness to say, I will suffer with you. Compassion is not seeing somebody that is needy on, on the road and just, okay, I have some spare chain and give to that person. That is not compassion. Compassion is, can I give you a hug? Can I sit where you are? Can I give you my precious? I'm willing to suffer with you. That is the meaning of compassion. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the last of men, but for the will of God. Christ has suffered for us, so we don't have to suffer for the consequence of sin. Amen? Agree on that? Christ has died for us on the cross. Today, there is no cross here. Like every Easter, we have to crucify somebody. There is no need to do that. We don't have to suffer for sin anymore. But yet, the Bible still says we have to arm ourselves with the same mind. Meaning, though we do not need to suffer because of sin, we need to be willing to suffer like Christ so that we can overcome sin. There is beauty and there is power in the same mind, in this mind that we are willing to suffer for something. Now, this is not a very popular word that we like to talk because nobody wants to sign up for suffering, right? But the Bible says we must get ready. It's just like a soldier for a soldier to do what he's supposed to do, he doesn't pray, God, give us war and battle. But they must be ready to suffer when war comes. So, although we don't have to suffer for sin, we must be willing to arm ourselves with that same mind. Then, we will not be attached to the to the power of sin. For the, we are not attached to flesh anymore because we have already armed ourselves with that same mind. How many of you here this morning, you come to church, you pray this prayer, God, how can I suffer for you? <laughs> no, right? Probably we ask God, how can I be blessed? I think both prayers are not wrong. But I think we have always prayed, God, how can I be blessed? 
but rather we seldom or we never pray, God, how can I sacrifice something for you? How can I give myself away so that someone can be blessed? How can I give you my worship in such a way that it is a willing suffering? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10 to 16. Let's look at Jesus. I'm just amazed that Jesus suffered for us. And verse 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burnt outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You see, the Bible repeats that again, that as Jesus suffered outside the gate, we should go to him and bearing his reproach. It seems that God is trying to tell us there is blessing in arming ourselves with that suffering mind, that the mind that is willing to suffer. There is something good here that this is, we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come and we'll continue to offer sacrifice or praise to God, giving thanks to Him and willing to share the good that we have and with this sacrifice, God is well pleased. I think there is no problem at all to talk about goodness and blessings and that. I pray for that. But I'm thinking if that is the only thing we want to have, God, nothing but the thing that I like, nothing but the thing that I desire, then it becomes very dangerous that our faith and our, our, faith and our foundation is built on what we like and not what is good. You may be confused right now, but I'm going to give you something that you will understand. You watch Endgame? I haven't. I want to watch soon, alright? But I heard in Endgame, there is sacrifice. Every great story told comes with sacrifice. Agree? Every great story told comes with sacrifice. We all love great story. We are inspired. We are inspired. Man, there is a hero. That's why I was having conversation with, I think it was June. By the way, the video was done by June. Why not we give him a weekend? It was random, you know, like no script and all that, but I just thought we want to. We were having this conversation. He was saying that nobody can relate to Superman that much because he's like God. He can do anything. And he probably, you know, even God also suffered more than him, right? <laughs> Jesus suffered more than him. 
So he said people cannot relate to Superman as much as the Marvel heroes. I do not know the story yet. Don't tell me. But there is sacrifice. But a lot of times, the problem is when it comes to great story like that, we want to be the people that are on the receiving end. We want to be the people that people sacrifice for us. Right? But you know what? If you want God to write a great story through your life, it's time for us to consider we cannot build our life based on comfort, but very likely on sacrifice. Today you have what you have in your family it is because your parents have sacrificed. But the world that we live in constantly tells us how to be more comfortable. Buy this car, it's more comfortable. No, no, no car advertisement say buy this car, you will suffer more. <laughs> no, right? Buy this car, it's more comfortable. Right? Buy this house. Get IKEA furniture, man. It's nice. Comfortable. When you sit on it, you won't want to leave your seat. It, but if that is all that we live for, then it becomes imbalanced because we do not un understand that if our life were to tell a great story of Jesus, we must learn how to sacrifice for one another. How do you know if someone has matured when he can sacrifice? That is why parenthood, to me personally, parenthood changes my life more than anything else apart from salvation. Salvation is number one thing. Number two, it was a marriage because a lot of people can enter into marriage just enjoying the marriage. But it was parenthood that tells me what sacrifice is all about. Our God, praise the Lord, He's not like Superman, just powerful, who solves our problem by giving us solution and miracles. The Bible never showed a God that Jesus just said, come, let me wash away your sin, let me pour out this washing solution. Let me just clean your heart magically. I will send the Holy Spirit just magically. You will have clean thoughts. You will not have struggles anymore. No. The God that we believe is one who came to us, born in a manger. The Bible says that He bore our iniquities. He bore our infirmities. He carried our burden. He is a God who would come to our level and suffer with us. That is compassion. Compassion is not like, I'm here, you are there. Let me just give you the answer. Compassion is coming to our level and say, let us do this together. Let me show you how it is done. The Bible says that He became poor so that we might become rich. You see, Jesus never said, I got a lot of money. I, I, just, I, I got a lot of blessing. Let me just give to you. Jesus suffered so that we can enjoy His abundance. And the Bible says He sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and temptation because He was tempted in every way. He went through the life that we have so that we will know He understands. I think He deserves a praise offering right now. 
Come on. Jesus. Because if you do not know that this is what Christ has done for you, you don't have this conviction, there is no life of compassion. Unless we know that God loves me so much that He will come to my level. He will not condemn me, but He will sympathize with me. He knows exactly how I feel. Every time, have you all watched this video before? Like, girls, when they fall sick, they just continue to eat, they don't feel anything, they just continue with their life. But when guy, a guy like me, a bit of headache, oh, I'm dying already, God, what is wrong? A fever, oh no. Am I going to die? Do I have anything? Like, can I survive? Right? But every time, like, when I cannot, I think I must get well before I can work again. I remember whatever hopelessness, worry that I have, Jesus has been through. Jesus knew how it, it feels. That I can talk to Him. That is why praying to God is nice. Because you say something, He understands. I mean, it's not like sometimes you tell a friend something he doesn't understand. You tell him anything, he understands. That is why we pray. Even you tell him something that you do not know the exact word, he also understands. Because we have a compassionate God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10 to 11. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. You see, God is strong. And his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Jesus did not love us because we are perfect. When you go shopping, you want to pick an LV bag, you will pick a perfect one, am I right? Of course, LV bags are all perfect on, in the store. But when you go buy bread, am I right? Those underneath one, all like out of shape, put it away. Sometimes I wonder like, what will happen to this bread? What is their destiny? <laughs> like, they are forever rejected. Imagine they are human, gone. Like, Jesus, I need inner healing. We always pick the best, right? Clothes and all that, we check. Especially girls, like powerful. You can always go to the last t-shirt or last dress and take it. Man, it's always best. But God did not love us because we are perfect. He embraced our imperfection. The Bible says, He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with His arm. He carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Sheep and lambs, we are. We are just sheep and lambs. And we are lost. I want to show you this Bible verse, I mean this concept that we are His sheep. It's not foreign to us. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, And Jesus, when He came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep 
not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Prophet Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be our shepherd, that he will carry us, he will lead us, he will hold us. So today, if you cannot walk, don't worry, call Jesus. He would carry you. When you are lost, don't be afraid to call Jesus by praying. Don't be afraid that Jesus will speak like your teacher. Like they also don't know. <laughs> right? I taught you before, right? Like, what is your problem? No, the Bible says he will gently lead us. And here, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus came out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. You know, sometimes when you have a lot of people, when Jesus saw these people that were following him, but yet they are lost. It's like they don't have something better to do. They were just trying to find out what Jesus was doing. And when Jesus saw and looked into their soul, he knew that they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When you see multitudes, what do you feel? Before I encountered God, when I saw a lot of people, I always wonder, how can I be the best? How can I stand out? How can I compete and win? But when God began to touch my heart, something changed. I realized that every time when I see multitude, I see a lot of people, God begins to show me a lot of times they were like sheep not having a shepherd. There is a need to lead. There is a need for God to lead them into His presence. So I wonder when Mark probably comes from the narrative of Peter, how did the disciples actually know that Jesus was moved with compassion? I do not know. Perhaps Jesus stood there, look at them. I don't know if Jesus teared, but I'm sure that it was obvious because it wasn't only recorded in the book of Mark, but Matthew also it was apparent to the disciples that he was moved with compassion for them. Today, is our compassion obvious? Is our co compassion just a concept or are we moved with compassion for people? Because Jesus really saw they were sheep without a shepherd. The same scenario probably in chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep not having a no shepherd, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Two things Jesus did. Number one, the Bible says that Jesus began teaching. 
60, Jesus began giving people the bread of life, the truth. Then at the same time, here in Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, man, I cannot do it alone. I will go back to my father. But now let's pray because the harvest truly is plentiful, but laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus made his compassion known and he began to say, guys, my disciples, my followers, now it's time for us to send out workers. It's time for us to be sent out as the Lord of the harvest to send us out into the harvest. That is why we pray conference will not be a conference that we come and enjoy. Of course, I hope you will enjoy, not endure. But it's a conference that we pray Jesus, when we come, send us out into the harvest. Send us out so that we, when we see the multitudes, when we still see the hundreds of engineers in your company, you will not be, you will be moved with compassion, not competition. When you look at the people in the shopping mall during sales, you will not be moved like, I pray that they won't buy the things that I like. That you will be moved with compassion and say, Jesus, these people, they are like sheep without shepherd. Today, friends, if you have not known Jesus or if you are like a sheep without shepherd, Jesus says He will carry you. He will gently lead you you will not be lost with Him. And Jesus has compassion for you. But the thing is this, we must be laborers. We must be kaka. And abang, I don't know. We must be willing to labor. One of the things that happens in developing countries, I heard from Singapore and I think Malaysia, we are beginning to see that. There are certain work we call labour or cheap labour or what we don't do. Then I begin to ponder, is being a developed country something good or not good? It's like when we are more developed, a lot of things we cannot do anymore. We cannot wash toilet, we need a toilet cleaner. right? We cannot clean the house, we need a domestic cleaner. Oh, we, 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 cannot, we cannot do gardening anymore. We need a gardener. It's like we are not willing to pay the price. I mean, we, we cannot preach the gospel anymore. We need to hire preachers. We need to hire more pastors, more cell group leaders. Friends, you know what? If, even if you hire, it will not work because it cannot be done without passion and compassion. It's not about money. What is our response today? John chapter 20, verse 21 to 23. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
Who has the power to forgive sins? You and me? Did you die on the cross? I haven't. I don't think I'm going to die on the cross. And I don't think I'm even qualified to do that. Jesus says only the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. But what does this mean? You must go back. You must go back and say, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. We are only continuing what Jesus has done. Jesus has died on the cross to forgive our sins. But as He breathed His Holy Spirit on us, He is sending us out. He's sending us out to what? He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. It is because if we go out like Him, if we meet the people, if in our heart and say, God, forgive this person, I need to preach the gospel of Jesus to this person, then very likely, their sins can be forgiven. But in our heart, we feel this person no hope. Right? I don't like this person. I'm not going to preach his gospel, preach the gospel of Jesus to him. He deserves it. Then, their sins are retained. Not because Jesus did not die for them. It is because of us. If we don't have compassion, if we don't have the peace of Jesus in us, if we are not willing to be sent out, then that's what we do. Right? We judge people faster than Jesus, stricter than Him. And do you realize that fear is the enemy of compassion? Why would I say that? Because these disciples in John chapter 20, the Bible says that they were fearful. They were hidden, am I right? Because their leader was just crucified. They were fearful and they stay inside. So you, 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 you imagine like in the small house, a small room, they are all very afraid. Then suddenly Jesus appeared in the room. Jesus says, peace to you. Now, you guys are staying here. You lock yourself in the room. As the Father sent me, now I send you out. <laughs> because I've given you peace, don't be fearful. And go out and preach the message of forgiveness. Isn't it true we have fear? We, and when we are so worried, we don't have compassion. Talk to me, Malaysians. You are fearful. Sometimes you are fearful, right? In Malaysia, you want to migrate, right? How can you show compassion to people who need love in this nation? Because all we want to do is to escape. Some people escape already. Come, come, come and join us. But if you have confidence, the Bible says peace. We have peace in Jesus. We are no longer fearful, but we are willing and we have confidence to go out like Jesus to show compassion forgive, not because they have sinned against us. It's because we know that Jesus has forgiven them and we want to preach the message of forgiveness. Judgmental spirit is also the enemy of compassion. Do you know, in your heart sometimes, in my heart, okay, I don't know, you guys are better than me. Sometimes in my heart, man, that person, what is he doing? I cannot sense a tiny bit of compassion in my heart anymore because I've judged that person. 
in my heart. Judgmental spirit. Comparison is the f- enemy of compassion. Very similar. Like compare, com- you read a bit faster, right? Compa- comparison sounds like compassion. <laughs> but you know, if you go to, you, you are constantly compare. Why, why that person gets so much attention? Why is he promoted? Why he's so lazy and the boss still like him? Why that person in church never do anything but everybody think he's a great guy? Right? We compare, am I right? No more compassion. Because when we compare, we lose our compassion. Remember, talking about end game. We want to talk about the end of our game. Do you know our game here on earth will never end? The end of our game is when we meet Jesus. So please, I, I was reading this, I was watching this video by Simon Sinek. He was talking about infinite game. He talks so many times, right? We want to win a game. We want to win the game of our life. But we don't understand that it is not an infinite game. We, we think that it is a finite game. I must win by the age of 35. I must have this. I must, I must reach this. When I, so we, we put a time frame. We put a goal. They are all finite. But we don't realize that actually following Jesus is an infinite game. In the game as long as we can. It's not about how many people that you win in 2019 to Christ. It's not about how many people you win. It's not about how many ministry you serve. It's about keep on serving. <laughs> right? It's about keep on keeping on. It's about Get God, I, I do not just want to serve you this year. I do not just want to serve you for two years. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I do not just want to love new friends now. I want to love new friends all the time. I want to love until I see you face to face. It's an infinite game. That is why, really, the real competitor is us. We have to evaluate and think what am I, who am I competing with? No. No one. The only enemy is within. So, let us learn from Jesus, shall we? Let us come to Him. Sometimes we don't like to come to Jesus, including me. Sometimes when I don't like to come to Jesus, have you ever had that moment before? Like, you know you need to pray, but you don't feel like praying? Because you know when you pray, gone case. Like you need to let go of your preconception, your mindset. I go to God. You know you can complain to God about somebody. Then you know at the end, God will say, forgive. And God will say, you are also at fault. God will say, go and... But that is how it is, right? Jesus embraced our human imperfection. I'm amazed that when Israel has 12 tribes, some tribes do pretty well, like Judah. Some tribes do pretty not bad. Some tribes bring a lot of trouble. But not once God says, this tribe, I have 11 to cope, right? No. God never rejected anyone, even if they don't qualify. 
I think that is how it should be in the house of God. No matter who messed up, you know, you say, hey, you shouldn't come to church anymore, you know. No matter who, you, say, you, you are not one of us anymore. No. No matter what happens. Yes, there is judgment. Yes, there is punishment from God. But they always belong. That's why we love our parents, right? No matter how bad we mess up, they punish us. They don't give us pocket money if we messed up, you know, sometimes. They, they say, okay, no more study, no more tuition fee, no more movies, whatever. But you still can go home because that is identity. So, church this morning, when we talk about compassion, suffering is really one theology, I would say, one understanding that we must all embrace because that's when we can overcome temptation. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation um, for the sins of the people, and in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a high priest that understands all our weakness. But the Bible says when we know that, we have to come to Him boldly. There is a part that God has played. He came to the world. He went through a human life. He knows the suffering. But there is a part that we still have to pay, play. We have to come boldly into His presence. We have to draw from Him. Though he was rich, he became poor, but we have to come to him so that in his poverty, we become rich in him. There must, there's a part that we must still, we are still responsible to be, to be compassionate. Today, you and I have a choice. Do you want to do what is right or do you want to do what you want? I think this generation we talk about, yeah, it's so important to follow your heart. Follow your instinct. You know, I heard this message in one of the sessions, um, homiletic session in Wesley. The teacher was saying, follow your heart, follow your instinct, follow what you like. That's the what, what the world has been telling us. Sounds great. But what if, when you follow your heart, your heart tells you to hate? heart tells you to take revenge? What if your heart tells you to hurt yourself? What if your heart tells you to do the wrong thing? Do you still follow your heart? The Bible says that our heart is deceitful. All, all points. Will you follow your heart? James chapter 4 
verse we just read shorter verse 16 but now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil you know sometimes we human we, we like to boast this is my plan this is what is going to happen this is my goal if you read verse 13 onwards right this person has a goal of achieving this and that and that and that completely discarding God in the picture boasting in arrogance but verse 17 therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin what is the good that we should do if you read verse 15 it says if the Lord wills we shall live and do this or that the good thing that we must do is to do what the Lord wills is to do what the Lord wills and to do what is good because verse 17 is you must understand James is someone who writes so much about our writes so much about action in our faith that our faith should not just be a concept our faith is not passive our faith is active so he says to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin you know we have come to a passive spirituality is as long as I don't do bad things I'm okay right I don't kill right I'm okay I don't hurt people I'm okay but sometimes to do good it is to help someone right you know it is good you know God has sent that person to be around you God wants you to help that person but passive spirituality is no I'm not doing I'm seeing no evil I'm none of my business and we think we are safe but little do we know it can be a sin to us if we see something good and we choose not to do it maybe that something good is to restore a relationship is to reconcile with someone maybe this no I, I, I'm not hurting him what right why should I do it he should come and say sorry to me if you know this is good and you don't do it it is sin church let's get rid of that passive spirituality it's just avoiding all, our, all we can to do wrong but failing to do what is right failing to do what is good is equally evil what is good? compassion is good let us be zealous in our good works let us be a doer what is good reading the Bible is good you know it seeking God is good you know it do it love one another is good do it serve your neighbour is good do it prayer is good do it serving someone serving in the house of God is good do it so many times I, I do not know what happens to 21st century Christian like you have been to church for 3 years why are you not serving I'm still waiting for the Lord right why are you not 
giving something? Why, why don't you join a connect? Why don't you serve somebody? Why don't you do something for someone? You see, we have been too passive in our spirituality. That is because we are trying to operate spiritually by worldly wisdom. Why should I smile? Why should I accept that person? Why should I? I have been unfairly treated. Why should I show grace? Simply because that is what is good and what is right. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Don't follow what you desire. Follow the Bible. So, let us come together today with a humble heart. Shall we rise to our feet? Two things I want to pray for all of us this morning. As we worship, as we come to God, surrendering our pride, our arrogance, all of us have. I have it. Right, lightly. Two things. Number one, as we worship, I want you to pray to God yourself. If you struggle with your identity, you, you struggle to have compassion, you do not know how you can love. I pray that you will know your Lord, your God is compassionate toward you. He does not judge you based on your ability and your performance. And then as you worship, I, I want you to just ask God, God, you are compassionate to me. You are for me. I don't deserve it, but I need it, God. I know your grace is here for me. And in that, knowing that He is compassionate, I pray, the second prayer is that we will do what is right. We will do what is good. We will not be passive anymore. Ask God, what is... Why not some of us you can begin to ask God, God, what is the right thing that you want me to do now in my life? And I believe the Holy Spirit is here to speak to each one of us. What is the one good thing? What is the one right thing? Don't reject that. Don't have that emotional attachment. To, I've been like that. I, I grew up. This is me. I, I don't want to be someone else. I am the cool and tough guy. I'm not the soft and forgiving kind. I'm, I have my stand. You see, when we have that emotional attachment, that's when we are detached from God's grace for us. So let us just come to God.